for this yeah all right welcome to chewing the wait, scenery wait, wait. Wait, okay. what movie were we watching this week uh glistening guts of a gorgeous geisha oh yeah that's something right. like that anyway go on okay um <clears throat> welcome to chewing the scenery horror movie podcast we are a podcast that talks about horror movies past present maybe future i know there's some stuff coming up we should talk about Yes. Um, we're not critics, we're artists and illustrators, and, uh, we will probably spoil the movies we talk about, so that's your warning. You can turn around, go watch the movie, come back to us, or, you know, just be that way and bail out completely. You can do that. We don't get paid for this, <laughs> for better or worse. Another warning is, uh, the movie, the featured attraction tonight is, uh, pretty offensive stuff <laughs> we'll get to that for uh, sure so yeah all right well we are your hosts i'm richard i'm here with jolian and you just heard his voice and this is will hello and um we'll talk briefly about what we've watched since last time and then we'll get right into that movie so will what what have you watched um i watched lisa and the devil mm. house of exorcism and Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Wow. Wow. Um, I think that's it. So uh, what was the best of the bunch? Crystal Plumage. Argento. Yeah. Yeah. Was that his um, first? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, so cool. It's great, but it lacks a supernatural element. Mm. Which is really strange for him, isn't it? I mean, normally he would, he would have some witch or something in it. Yeah, he didn't get into that until Suspiria, really. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you got to start somewhere. <laughs> and Deep Red, you, the camera starts doing its own thing, and it becomes this presence in the yeah in the movie, and it is it does all these strange things, but it's not. He it doesn't go directly supernatural to Suspiria. Excellent. Yeah. So. Um, that's a recommend anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's Argento and it's early, so there we have that. Julian, anything interesting you've seen since last time? All I've watched are uh, Entrails of a Virgin and Entrails of a Beautiful Woman, so it's been a weird week. How do those titles, um, um, Bijo no Harawata, how, yes. how, how does that translate literally? Uh, it's Beautiful Woman's Guts. But it doesn't really show her guts. B is beauty. Joe is the uh, woman. Okay. No is the possessive. Harawata is guts. Okay. The guts of a beautiful woman. So it does literally translate. And show Joe is a virgin. Hmm. Skitsnack. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So what, what have you watched then, Richard? I had a busy week of trying to help somebody get some audio ready for 
a documentary oh, sort of thing. And we heard the story last week. Yeah. Did it, it continue? Well, it continued. It didn't really get done on time for the event it was supposed to be ready for. And that's fine. Uh, that stuff should take longer than that. It, it shouldn't happen that easily or something's really wrong. Uh, so, um, I really didn't get to watch anything other than, uh, some television. I, I watched what, Ray Donovan and some Fear of the Walking Dead. So some mainstream television stuff. And that was about it. Um, not really sure what's going on with Fear of the Walking Dead, but you guys don't watch it. So I don't even want mm-hmm. to get into it. Um, <laughs> not that I'm going to spoil something that you may eventually watch. Cause I don't suspect you will, but, uh. It's the spinoff from The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. It's the prequel, I understand. Well, in the in the timeline of the show, it would be the the prequel times, but it's in a different location, and I don't know if they're going to do any character overlap. Yeah. So, um, it'll be interesting to see if they do try to tie it in, even if it's just a little wink, wink, um, fan service kind of thing. So kind of Better Call Saul, <laughs> Breaking Bad kind of. You you're waiting for that crossover right event i guarantee you that's the last episode of better call saul is where he meets uh is where he where he meets uh jesse and and walt walt yeah guarantee you that's it <sighs> well hopefully if they're going to end it that's where they end it or maybe, they have to at that point that's as far as they can go or maybe gene and omaha has some sort of awesome thing happen you never know or tragic um, thing happen maybe hmm. anyway we're boring Jolien with this kind of talk, I know. I, I, I've not seen either of the series, so it's like Fear the Walking Dead. That sounds like it's serious, and then The Walking Dead is more of an Abbott and Costello sort of thing, is that right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Sure. Walking Dead is more of a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Who's laughing now? Um, so, yeah, that's all I've really been up to was, was trying to uh, work on that one thing and then catch up on some television I had missed as a result of that one thing. And, uh, the event, uh, still happened that this documentary thing was going to go with. It still happened and was very successful. And they just really did the video portion of the thing sort of to preview it. And, um, I guess now there's plenty of time to finish it. So, um, yeah, uh, I heard, uh, that, the Phantasm series is all coming out in one big handy package. In a ball? In a ball. Is it if, coming out in a ball? It's, if they're that smart. It apart and the CDs are stacked on there like you would buy them, you know, blank CDs on a tower. If they're they'll smart, stack. they'll do it that way because they did that for a uh, Big Lebowski release where it was a bowling ball shape. Mm. There you go. It's been done. What's the uh, new Phantasm movie called? Uh, Phantasm 5 Ravager. Ravager, that's it. You shoot to kill or you don't shoot at all. I don't know if that's the tagline. So are, are they going to have a new tall man or just go with no, the direction? No, I thought they shot all of his stuff oh, before okay. he died. They did. They finished with Angus Scrim before he died. Right. And they only had a couple scenes after he died that they used him. And I'm sure. Okay. They can use <laughs> clips of John Carradine. Yeah. Okay. Reading things. It's called <laughs> Weekend at Tall Man's. <laughs> oh, man. What a horrible idea. Oh, no. So, um, should we jump into this? Um, Entrails of a Beautiful Woman? Yeah. Will, what did you think? This was a hell of a movie. <laughs> yeah, you, you you, guys just jumped straight into the deep end of 
I like how this was 1986. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have watched so many movies from 1986, it seems. Yeah, because last last week we watched uh, Chopping Mall and Richard was looking up what else came out in 86 in terms of horror movies. And he came across this title. Yes. I said, do you really want to do that? And he said, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, sure, why not? I showed the uh, synopsis, the brief two-line synopsis on the... uh, whatever stream search mm-hmm. app I have and I showed it to Gene. It was something well I'm not gonna spoil it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not, not here to spoil things. I don't know if I can not spoil this movie, but wow. It was something. Well it was about nine years ago, I wanna say by now, that um I was out of a relationship and into my own apartment and I threw a little party called Asian food, Asian horror. <laughs> and uh, I believe you were both there. You were there. Yes. Okay. Um, and Jolien said, well, would you like me to bring some stuff that I know to be good? and uh, Or at least yeah, you, you crazy. Said, you said, bring the weirdest thing you have. <laughs> Threw the gauntlet down, didn't I? So I started you off easy with Blind Beast. Okay. 1969, which good. is excellent. Yes, good movie. Mojo I recommend Blind it. Blind Beast. That's a very good, weird uh, based on an Edgawa Rampo story, and uh, it's uh, about this blind sculptor, and he uh, takes a woman captive so that he can study her body and make the perfect sculpture. You make it sound so sinister. I took it more as a love story, an unconventional <laughs> love story. Well, in the original story, uh, apparently, well, the original one was serialized back in uh, 1931. Oh. Um, the. Uh, he he goes around the country and he feels different women, yeah, to find the the ideal bits, and then puts them together into his ideal woman woman sculpture. Yeah, I remember this one. But I was anyway, I was I was stir frying noodles while this was playing. So it's a very strange movie <laughs> because most of it's in this large room, which he keeps dark, so you only see patches of stuff. Uh huh. As she finds out what's in this room. And this room is full of his sculptures. Yeah. And then he, he's got this massive full body sculpture down the middle of this warehouse. And then all the walls, on each wall there's a different body part. Yeah. But on a massive scale. So there's yeah. a wall of eyes. Uh, wall of breasts. Yeah. Uh, and wall of ears. And and uh, she has to like feel her way around and find out. And she, she kind of goes down this weird rabbit hole herself. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely... But anyway, that was the that was the uh, entree. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the start, of course. Uh, and then we had uh, Boxer's Omen, which was hilarious because a, a lot of the guys at that party were pretty stoned. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. So, yeah, there we were in downtown Denver. Everybody who wanted to be there was either walking distance or a, or a mm-hmm. short bus ride or yeah. cab ride. So nobody had to be a sober driver. Mm-hmm. Nobody had to do anything but um, get lit and watch some crazy stuff and eat some noodles. But it was funny watching them because like the the reaction times are like a few seconds behind what they was. Yeah, what, what yes, happened. that was great. <laughs> and we talked about what the audition process must have been like for Boxer's Omen. Yeah. Now I don't remember anything of the storyline. <laughs> Uh, so here we are nearly a decade later and all I remember is those guys eating food and then spitting it into the next one's mouth. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. 
um, if you're in if you're in the waiting room for this audition and you're like, all right, I've done some stage work, a couple of commercials, and I've tried out from you know some other movies. <laughs> are you willing to take another man's chewed up food into your mouth, chew it up, and spit it into another man's mouth? Mm-hmm. Hmm, what's a thing like that pay? You know, I, I can only imagine what that was like. Yeah. And then, well, it's on film. Yep. So uh, we watched that. Yes. And then what else, what else, do you remember what else we watched? Those are the only two movies. That you brought. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think I might have put on The Eye, which is a Korean film, if I remember right. Yeah. And uh, The Eye is good because it's mm-hmm. so creepy. Mm-hmm. It's a good ghosty movie. In fact, I gave my personal copy to my nephew, Chris. Uh, he had a surgery a couple years ago, a few years ago. and on his uh, eye? No. Oh. It was a kidney thing. <laughs> and uh, he's fine. You should have lent him some kidney-based horror movie. I, I'm sure, Julian, they exist, right? There's, mm, thinking about there's it. a sub-sub-genre of Japanese horror <laughs> that deals only with the kidneys I'm and kidding. occasionally the bladder. Yes. So, uh, anyway, Chris had uh, had some kidney surgery, and uh, I knew he was going to be in the hospital for a few nights, and... He wanted some scary movies because he digs scary movies. He, okay. You know, at the time, you know, being a preteen, you'd think, oh, man, that kid's not going to be able to handle. Nope, he can handle. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I sent him my personal copies of uh, Shaun of the Dead, Dog Soldiers, and The Eye. Oh, okay. I said, you know, you need these in your collection. And my sister said that, uh, that um, my mom's uh, sort of summer home uh which is also in illinois uh is where they keep some of these movies to sort of scare guests when they need a good scare at night you know kind of a campfire type thing it's like yeah let's watch a scary movie oh you ready for a scary movie here watch the eye you forget after 10 minutes that you're even reading subtitles and that thing gets really creepy so um that aside uh Tell us about this Japanese extreme cinema, Jolien. Um, do you, can you give us a brief history of it? Uh, we, you're our go-to guy. You know more about this than any ten people combined. <laughs> Not any ten. I, I know. I know some guys who are like really experts on it. If you want to find out about Japanese pink movies, there's an excellent book by Jasper Sharp called Behind the Pink Curtain, which I, is really well written and researched. Um, and what are pink movies? Okay, so uh, let's see. If we go back to the uh, 19th century prints, like, you know, of uh, the uh, night world and samurai and beautiful actors and, you know, all the traditional things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there was a particular artist um, who became famous for uh, doing a series called The 28 Famous Murders with Verse. Uh, his name was Tsukioka Yoshitoshi. And uh, these are uh, extremely gory prints, uh, which were published in 1866 to 8. Uh, various, uh, you know, various things that samurai can do to each other or, you know, various things you can get up to with ropes and spears and swords and things um you know there's like really gruesome to, um get up to like it's a weekend <laughs> tortures with nails and um 
face peeling and uh, face peeling for the kids yeah <laughs> what's he on about anyway extremely bloody but uh, there's certainly uh, an influence on um later things um so why were they called pink is that just a well i'll, I'll get to them that the um uh I, th- I feel in japan more than other countries there's uh, they can depict things, they can see aesthetics in things without a moral component. Oh, okay. So if something's immoral, that doesn't stop them from looking at it and aestheticizing it. Okay. Whereas in the West, we have this idea that uh, the morality of something feeds into the quality of it. Right. Um, so you have these amazing prints, they're really I mean, beautifully done prints, but extremely gruesome. Um, you just wouldn't have that in Western art for quite a while. Right. Um, so you have this... Uh, so you have the intelligentsia of Japan. So you have like writers like Edogawa Rampo and uh, Junichiro Tanizaki, who were like world-renowned, uh, nominated for literary prizes. I think Tanizaki got like Nobel Prize nomination. Writing stories about grotesque, uh, erotic subject matter. Okay. And uh, and they were part of the respected literary intelligentsia. Uh, so you have this this movement in the like in the twenties up through the thirties, uh, which was called the erogero nonsense, as in erotic grotesque nonsense okay and uh became later known as just uh erogoro <clears throat> um then uh in the cinema uh depiction of sex was taboo you couldn't even show kissing until after the war like 1946 was the first screen kiss hmm. and i think that was like they did it behind an umbrella or something oh wow but uh Scandalous. Um, Hide your shame. <laughs> uh, in the early 60s, you had uh, like uh, Mondo movies. Um, you had the uh, nudies and uh, the uh, like the uh, the more permissive movies coming out of Europe, which were being distributed in Japan. So they were they were seeing like uh, Brigitte Bardot and they were seeing like the early Russ Meyer movies and things like that. So that was starting to open things up. Uh, and then in early 60s, about 62, you get the first pink movies. And pink movies are called that because of the colour of skin. Mm. Okay. Um, pink movies, uh, they have to be about an hour long. They have to contain uh, a certain amount of sex. Okay. Um, but apart from that, the uh, the studio doesn't care. Yeah. So what happened was in the 60s, when you get radical filmmakers, you have the the left wing, you have the people who are influenced by the new wave Mm -hmm. and people who are wanting to get into movies and looking to break in, going into pink movies. And uh, you also had members of the intelligentsia, like um, as a particular guy did some of the very early ones, uh, Tetsuji Takechi. He did films like Daydream which was the first movie to involve fogging. Right. Where they pixelate or cover over pubic hair. Oh. Um, uh, but, so you have this, this, these 
artists and writers going to this and they're because they only have to deliver the sex mm-hmm. um, and they can do whatever else they like. Yeah. They really fast, it got very political. There was this heavy political quotient. Uh, so pink movies, they're not porn. If you're looking for porn, you'll be really disappointed. They're very soft. Although they got a bit harder, you know, towards the end in the 80s. Um, but they introduced more violence into the sex. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Um, so in the, in the sixties, at least, um, the, the pink movies, they'd always have some kind of story, some kind of political quotient. And, uh, is often in re- relation to Japan's, uh, relationship with America, because you have the huge riots about the, uh, renewal of the treaties, Mm-hmm. With America, which mm-hmm. is like using Japan as basically a an aircraft carrier. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, you you'll see a lot of uh, references to airports and military bases. Okay. Especially late sixties, early seventies. But they fogged out all the landing strips. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a good one. Thanks. Yeah, with, with fogging, um, yeah, which is called bokashi. Okay. <laughs> You'll learn some interesting words tonight. Um, the, uh, the the uh, categorization board is called Erin, and uh, they look at films and and they, they judge how they're going to rate them. Um, one of the taboos is pubic hair. Um, this goes back again to the woodblock prints. Um, because these were like produced for the merchant classes. Merchant classes were supposed to be at the bottom of society in the hierarchy, mm-hmm. but they're the ones who had the money. So they were like way more powerful than the government would have liked them to be. So you had these kind of arbitrary rules about what could be shown in the prints just to remind them, oh, we're in charge, okay. you guys. So for a period, colour was banned. You couldn't use more than one colour. So for a there's a, there's a period of woodblock printing where it's all blue. Okay. Uh, and then, um, so with, with pink films, the, the taboo is pubic hair. So what you have is, um, uh, because it's a restriction, it became incorporated into the aesthetics of pink films. So they, they came up with crafty ways of getting around it. So people be making love and they'd be like a, a strategic lamp. Uh-huh. Or a curtain or something that like that. That happened in this movie. Yeah. And uh, or, or um, uh, if they can't hide it, then they'll, it'll be fogged. There'll yeah. be some kind of blur or pixelation. And uh, so they, that just becomes part of the aesthetic of it. Okay. Uh, I, I think if they took away fogging, they, the filmmakers would still do it because it's just such a part of the... I could totally see that, yeah. Uh, ...thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, as I say, if you're looking for porn, you'll be disappointed because the the they're, they're pretty soft generally. The ones I've seen, and uh, it's the the interesting ones are much more about politics and playing with the medium and um, you know. It'd be kind of like if Grindhouse films were directed by I don't know left wing yeah. kids who were putting politics in, but mm-hmm. had a quotient of yeah yeah. How much violence or right. sex they yeah, had put in. If you just behead half a dozen teens, then you yeah. can do whatever else you we like. We need six breast and right. at least eight deaths. <laughs> so, so a lot of these, like from the sixties, like uh, the 
they can be pretty depressing. You know, they're, they're kids who are struggling with the uh, rebellion and uh, being oppressed by authorities and, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty downers, a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, and they, they were also, um, they, were, uh, they started off fairly slow, but really rapidly they became a major part of Japanese films because, like, mainstream films were just collapsing especially when the uh, when the olympics came to japan in 64 everyone had suddenly had a tv okay. so the the theaters just emptied oh. so the studios were looking around for what they could do the only genre that was making money was pink films and and these are still like theaters in every city and uh, they're fairly cheap and you go see a triple bill and um so they're, they're massive they're, they're like a a third of films produced in Japan, and I think still to this day, a third of films in Japan are, are pink films. Do you feel like the quality uh, of the pictures varied pretty greatly, or do you think it was all kind of similar in quality uh, as well, far as acting, directing, production values? You had you had independent studios of, uh, but you, the the larger studios starting to get start to get into it as their own product was drying up and audiences are drying up for their original things so uh, the studios that like the ones that we um of intros of the virgin us from um nikatsu they were known for like uh serials like uh gangster movies and right uh stuff like that but by 1970 that was really drying up and uh, so they wanted so they started doing um pink films and they, they were like specialized in it and Toy got into it. They they're known for like, um, uh, you know, various dramas. They got into pink films, and they they put in more of an action quotient. So you get what known as the pinky violence films. Okay. Uh, they're pretty cool. They're, they're, they're like a, uh, like delinquent, girl boss series and <laughs> nice things like that. They they have like tough women. You'll probably see their breasts several times in the film. But most of it's about them kicking ass. Oh, that's uh, cool. There's, you know, girl gangs and uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're fun. Like, there's that like Russ those. Meyer influence. Yeah, there's there's this uh, director called Norifumi Suzuki, who I I think of as the Russ Meyer of Japan because he's he's really into like uh, uh, exciting editing and angles and just crazy stories. Just, nice. uh, yeah, you don't know what to expect, and yeah, and he, and he always has kick-ass women and. Uh, yeah, I like those. Now, it's interesting when you're talking, I can imagine that you could substitute the words slasher films for pink films. And each thing you're saying, there's like a parallel between like, oh, the big studios saw the money. So they all mm -hmm. started jumping in. Oh, yeah. the small studios could get started because there was money in it. You know, it kind of seems like it's it's very similar in the trajectory of, of the success and uh, probably but, the leveling off. But the, you've never had the... You've never had like slasher films being exhibited in international film festivals, being voted in top ten movies of the year. Right. Yeah. Um, there may be some rare exception, but by and large, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And being such a massive proportion of the output, uh, this was the dominant genre from the late '60s through to the mid '80s when home video came in. Right. Especially then. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Going back to like extreme films, um, late sixties, you start to get films like um, there's a director people know called uh, Teruo Ishii, 
and he really mixed it up with violence. He did this series like the Joys of Torture series, which is set in like a Tokugawa era Japan, uh, and it'd be lots of rope torture and stuff like that. Um, and then, and then you have the Pinky Violence films in the seventies. You have the Scorpion series, which is like a women in prison series. Uh, you have the Nunsploitation films. Oh boy! Um, so uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, one of the very first Pink films is about this like uh, dentist uh, fantasizing about torturing patients. And hmm. So yeah, like violence and sex have been also, put together from very early. I was going to say, also known as like every day on the job, <laughs> if you're a dentist. Um, so, what is uh, is is this movie that we watched a standout? I mean, is it a particularly well known one, or is it just one this, that this is like really terminal? This is like uh, going to the as far as it can to be shocking and combining horror and sex. Okay. Uh, and violence and it's also terminal in that it's the end of pink films this is like shot on video uh this is when the katsu was wondering if they could make more money by releasing things directly on video to the home market right and they were hoping that they could get around the censorship but they didn't um by releasing it on home video uh so this is like the end of the whole era and there's still pink films made um but uh, this is the end of like the the thirty five millimeter shot on film, fairly large production. This is crazy with the colors. We in the states we had blue films. Yeah. Uh, Jallo. <laughs> Why is blue? It's yellow. Um, I'm not sure where that came from. That term. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Hmm. I have a book on blue films. So I have to look it up when yeah. I go home. I know where Jello comes from. Yeah, yeah Jello comes from the cover color. I yeah. thought it was perhaps the paper itself, <laughs> like pulpy papers, yellow. So, yeah. yeah. So, so that when they released uh, Agatha Christie and uh, Edgar Wallace books in yeah. Germany, the series was mostly a yellow cover mm-hmm. to distinguish them, wasn't it? Yeah. So, uh, and then when it took off in Italy, they yeah, that became everybody yellow. had a yellow cover. So. Right. <laughs> pulp basically but it's funny the why why color yeah we're or something all... sort of taboo yeah like black metal <laughs> <laughs> so uh so this kind of marked the end of an era yeah and so the pinnacle of what could be done this all right we're gonna get into offensive stuff here people <laughs> this, this movie is... features rape <laughs> Right. And a cock monster. <laughs> Just gonna say right now. So th- this is several. Like, um, this is when the combination of horror and sex really hit the bottom of the barrel, or the or the uh, hit the hit the heights, whatever you you fancy. Um, but anyway, uh, there were these films. So the, the two Guts films and uh, this same director also made uh, Female Inquisitor. But the uh, even more uh, notorious series, which I've seen none of, is called Guinea Pig. Have you heard of that one? No. Have you heard? Nope, I have not. Okay. Guinea Pig. There's seven films made, 1985 to 88. Uh, Damn, crank them out. Uh, the first two and number six were based on manga by Hideshi Hino. You, 
you might have seen his manga. They're, they've been published over here. Uh, he did Panorama of Hell. Mm, uh, Hell Baby. Hell Baby, yes. Yeah. I know Hell Baby. Man, okay. Hell Baby is something else. Um, all right. So the first two, uh, Hideshi Hino was caught up and they, because they were suspected of being snuff films. Uh, they're, they're basically uh, a guy experimenting with how much he can do to a body yeah and um he had to he had to prove that they weren't actually snuff wow the uh uh the second entry was called flower of flesh and blood and this was seen by charlie sheen (laughs) and he contacted the motion picture association of america and he said i've just seen a snuff movie and oh. they, they contacted the FBI and the FBI got together with the Japanese investigators and they so they pulled up the director and they said, uh, what's going on here? And he said, no, no, this is all fake. Look, this is how we did it. And he even made a whole documentary about how he made the film. And then he added, and Charlie Sheen must be really high. <laughs> so <laughs> so after that, they, they got more comical, but they were still apparently pretty <laughs> nauseating. But... Uh, Anyway, uh, you also had the uh, Irotsuko Doji series, the anime series, uh-huh. based off the manga by Toshio Maeda. Um, these were, this was like one of the biggest titles for when anime started breaking into the West. What was it? I, I went to see the premiere, actually. What was it? Irotsuko Doji, have you heard of it? No. Nope. Okay. Chojin Densetsu Irotsuko Doji. It's like, it's an epic, it's... Uh, it's part of what they call tentacle porn. Um, demons and and a beast race fighting in the human okay. world. Uh, lots of rape. Lots of demons with huge phalluses. Yeah. Um, Putting that in the laurel leaves. Like demons with huge phalluses. So, so you had these, these, these various series combining sex and horror. All right. In 1989, there's a fellow in Saitama named Tsutomu Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. No relation to the anime. <laughs> Damn it. I, I must point that out. You knew we were going to pounce on that. Anyway, it was discovered that he'd murdered four girls over the course of a couple of years. And the girls were aged four to seven years old. No. Then he sexually abused the corpses. Oh, man. And he partially ate them. Um, but did he film it? His video collection included titles from the guinea pig series. Oh. So this became a big scandal. He, he had a huge collection of videos. Anyway, they found some of the guinea pig series, and uh, so there's this huge blow up over it, and um, tons of like the adult video titles were just pulled off the shelves. Yeah. And pink films toned themselves down. They went back to being more about just straightforward sex and drama um so that that, so this is like the end of that Uh, kind of movement it sparked cannibal panic yeah but uh i saw them open for glass fight (laughs) there were still like uh films that became notorious like in 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 the western press uh there was the rape man series yes which steve albini named his band after because it was like the worst possible name you could give to a band (laughs) yep um yeah they were like um yeah that was that was in 93 
Um, but but basically, Pink Films really toned themselves down after that. A friend of mine came up with the worst band name. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Third Grade Handjob. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's a little worse. It's a little worse. Thanks, Jason. So so yeah, um, you can you can trace sex and horror and the strange depiction of rape back as far as you can see in Japanese history. The first novel ever written uh-huh. uh, was The Tale of Genji, which is yes. the 11th century, written by uh, Princess Murasaki. Something like that. Uh, but uh, this this is like the first recorded time when uh, a character, this woman gets raped and loves the the guy who did it, comes to love him. Right. And that's, that's something that just won't go away. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll still see that come up. Um, but uh, that, that tale of Genji also has uh, uh, this ghost, which is kind of like the one in the, the film, uh, which is, I, I think, which is uh, an Ikirio, which is a living ghost, where someone's got so oh. much rage in them that a, a vengeful creature is created. I think that's what happens. In, okay. <laughs> it's not really clear, but, um, yeah. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, there was some stuff left for uh, up to interpretation in this. Yeah. Which uh, was there a little bit, <laughs> really? Because I thought it was all pretty explicit. <laughs> At the same time, I had a total detach detachment from the whole thing. I didn't feel yeah. I didn't feel scared, but I didn't feel like grossed out, particularly grossed out either. So some of, some of this stuff was left up to interpretation, as far as who's playing what role and what's going on in this movie. So a woman goes to this therapist. Mm-hmm. And then her problems are not resolved. She jumps out, becomes a watermelon, splats on the pavement. <laughs> um, then, well, you know, you always hear it like a watermelon. Yeah, you know, splatted like a just, melon. Yeah, you put that in literally. It was very you, you literal. Couldn't see it any way better than. <laughs> so, at some point, the therapist becomes her. She goes to see, there's this woman whose sister has been corrupted by this gang and sold off to sex slavery in the Philippines and Africa. Okay. Her sister is trying to find her and one of the gang members lures her uh, into this warehouse or something that the gang yeah. has. And she gets raped and given this drug and killed. Angel Rain. Well, she she gets no, she, she she staggers out. Yeah. Goes to this. Uh, she finds a way to this therapist. This, uh-huh. this clinic, aquarium clinic. Yes. And she. So she's still under the influence of this drug called Angel Blue. Is it Angel, Angel Rain. Rain? Angel Rain. And uh, it, it has the effect of a of a high powered air hose. Right. Blowing on you. <laughs> um, Something they stole from the entity. Yeah. And and all those like fifties space movies where they you know, the G force yeah. makes their cheeks ripple. Yeah. Um so the doctor gets the information on the on the gang what they've been up to with these women mm-hmm. through that victim who then throws herself off the roof and turns Becomes, into a watermelon. Yes. Then the doctor uses her hypnosis. 
she seduces one of the gang. Yeah, who was the boyfriend of the girl who threw yeah. herself off the roof. And uh, hypnotizes him to go back to the gang. And uh-huh. when they call him stupid, which they do often... He's supposed to stab That them. will trigger him and he's going to kill all of them. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work out that way. She gets drawn into the gang. Yeah. And... Because they, yeah, they shoot the guy and make him tell him who Yoshimi. After she's raped and killed, yeah, she's thrown in the same pit they dumped his body. Yeah. And she comes back as this hermaphrodite monster. Yep. Is that, is that? That's pretty much the gist of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you think the head explosion in Um, this week's movie was better than last? mm -hmm. Definitely. (laughs) As far as being entertaining and funny. I don't know. It's it's pretty close. But one thing I wanted to mention, though, is that we get this. This is a precursor to the ring that we get this phone call, this this threatening oh, phone yeah, call from a dead person. Yeah. A dead person calls mm-hmm. up and says, I'm going to come back for revenge. Uh, another pink tie in. This isn't really a pink. Movie, is it? Mm, I don't know. Um, this the director calls these um, Glico movies. Glico is like a, is a manufacturer of sweets, candy. Oh, okay. And uh, they do these sweets which have a little gift with them. So you got like, the candy and a toy. Yeah, a little so toy, yeah. Over here you had like Cracker, cracker Jacks? Cracker Jacks, yeah, yeah. Kinder mm-hmm. Eggs. Right, right. Uh, so he calls these Glico movies because he, he says, um, uh, you pay to see a horror movie and you get sex too. <laughs> Here's your prize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no concept that the two things can be can mutually cancel each other out. Um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah. So so uh, anyway, uh, at, at the same time, there are these films called Woman in a Box. There's two films, and uh, the first of them had uh, Hideo Nakata as assistant director. Okay. And he went on to do Ring. Oh. But this is pretty common that directors come out of pink films. Well, they're a third so of like, all uh, movies. Yeah. yeah. So like Shusuke Kaneko, who did the Gamera series in the 90s, started in pink. So, so odds are pretty good. Is, yeah. is the point Will's making. <laughs> yeah. What tends to happen in almost all cases is like the director will make films which are nothing like anything they did in, when they were doing pink. <laughs> no nudity whatsoever. And, um there are cases where they... Well, it's kind of like people who got their start under Roger Corman. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, we, you know, like in America, we just don't have that um, market anymore of cheaply made yeah. films where some can cut their teeth on them. Well, and the, which and, is... But it will still get to the theaters. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, we have YouTube, and yet we're not getting... Right. great movies yeah it's like, like joe bob Briggs said like anyone can make a movie now and, and nobody is out there, but no one's making good ones yeah yeah he he, he told me that right to my face <laughs> i mean there's got to be good ones out there we're just not looking hard enough yeah it's it's kind of like uh how you know the internet should have should have connected us all and made everything great <laughs> and all it did was just give jerks a, a better forum and, uh, of course, immediately everybody started figuring out how to use it for porn. Well, that's the first thing anybody does yeah. with the new technology. Same, yeah. Same with video. From petroglyphs to, pre- to present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of how that goes. 
So um, I think we all know what what the weaknesses are of something like this that's shot on video that uh, maybe, you know, doesn't have the biggest budget for cast and everything. You know, some of the weaknesses are going to be fairly obvious, but I think some of the strengths are in, in the, the concept, you know, that they're, they're taking something that no one else has thought of doing right. and saying, let's, let's put out something that nobody ever imagined yeah. and, uh, and put it in front of them. And I think that was kind of the strength of this whole genre is that they, they said there's nothing that's too shocking uh, except pubic hair, apparently, mm-hmm. um, which is odd. That is kind of odd. It, I mean, it, it, it's, it's it is just, it's, it's just a random, random thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, like nipples are perfectly okay. Everything else with the roughness and yeah, or like one one of the things with the uh, the the woodblock prints, uh, you know, the uh, lot of the the ones that to do with sex like uh, Shunga, uh, which came from like the Chinese sex manuals, were they're pretty instructional, but the the genitals would be very exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then a law came in that you couldn't show genitals, so they do. So various other things would be kind of substituted. Yeah. So this is where you get like Hokusai did his famous print with the the pole diver and the octopus, uh-huh. which is like the whole origin, the whole tentacle porn thing. Yeah. It's basically how do we have a show something? Yeah. Show sex without the genitals. We'll come up with weird <laughs> substitutes. So, in you know, in, in the course of censoring something, you make it much more bizarre. Yes, that's always the case, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like when you start substituting things for other things, it's going to get weird. Yeah, but tentacles. Like, um, <laughs> I think it uh, may, may have been Donald Ritchie. He's written, he wrote you know, a great book about Kurosawa, and he's written on Japanese film extensively. Mm-hmm. But he said, like, um, I think it was him who said uh, with pink films that the strength is the censorship. Uh, in America, uh, sex films, you you can show anything. So they just close in on it. There's no yeah. art to it. In Japan, they can't show that. Yeah. So that there's always artful ways they have get around, getting around things. Yeah. So. That's true. They do zoom right in, don't they? when they're allowed to yeah so um yeah the, so the strength is definitely in in the the bizarre uh subject matter and um you know the no holds barred execution of such things um i would say that uh there's definitely a different style to acting with uh, these japanese films like there's a, there's a certain amount of overacting that seems to be uh, allowed and and uh, accepted that maybe would go unnoticed uh, by the audience well these these two films are not you know you don't have any strong cast really <laughs> um, yeah uh but uh, you know the, the this is like the shot on video stuff this is like the cheap end of things okay you know when when it, when, when these were like pretty lavish productions um, like with World of Geisha or things like that, they, uh, you know, you'd you'd have uh, performers who'd have followings, and you know they become celebrities, and and they, you know, they they they'd be better actors. Yeah. Um, in the scene where Higashi is getting tortured and killed, there's like a fake foot 
that's obviously hollow rubber <laughs> yeah. it's folded over um they didn't seem to go back and do a lot of second takes nah. with their special effects it was kind of like you got what you got yeah they probably just thought it was funny yeah yeah i it's think like, it was i mean leave it in the blowjob was obviously a fake dick i mean that, it was bizarrely shaped yes the silhouette of uh, yeah uh-huh, yeah that they cut in it was like a cartoon mushroom or something yeah was i don't know this movie was something else i kind of enjoyed it <laughs> yeah uh, i mean it was awful right <laughs> terrible and every part of it was sort of nauseating yeah. but at the same time it was kind of there's some comfort in that entertaining i don't know but <laughs> don't listen to me i used to watch plastic surgery shows <laughs> did they blur all the nipples out i hope yes <laughs> okay just checking <laughs> that's you know because <laughs> That's what people are watching for. Yeah, I want to see surgery nipples. Um, yeah, there was uh, there was something I, I made a, a note that. Um, oh, what's the doctor's name? What was her uh, character's name? I, uh, I have it written Yoshimi? here. Yoshimi. Yeah. Well, at least that's who she she became. Uh, she said to the to the um, gang boss. I'm ashamed we belong to the same human race. And that was that was pretty poignant. I thought that kind of summed up everything about like mm-hmm. the us and them of of the crime world versus the normal world and what the crime world was up to. And um and he of course immediately retorts that that he'll just remove her from it and personally dig her grave. Yep. So he he's he's not going to be uh, you know, moved by that kind of language part that grossed me out the most in this movie was the very beginning with the guy eating sushi and his lip smacking oh, yes. was so much i had to turn the sound way down the first yeah, the first note raw um like sheep guts and things yeah yeah oh man he just i i didn't care what he was eating whatever but it was just they put the microphone right by his mouth yeah. Uh, my my first note I wrote was this guy is overacting with his face, <laughs> and then I my next note is oh he's the king of the rapists yeah, and then uh, he then the next note I have is he's he's playing tune in Tokyo no really now have you, have you heard this term tune in Tokyo Mm-mm. that's like a something you'd hear kids on the playground say they would they would make uh, hand gestures referring to um, tweaking breasts and. Uh, I'm guessing it came out of World War II. Probably. This is a recent but, slang you've, you've introduced yeah. Jolien to. Right. Well, anyway, uh, so this guy is, is fondling this woman, and he's he's grabbing her breast like it's a radio dial and mm. twisting side to side. And I'm thinking, he's literally playing Tune in Tokyo. He's taken this to a whole different level of bad and weird. And uh, and then, of course, I wrote, this is some straight-up mobster shit, isn't it? Yep, there's the tattoo. Yeah. And, of course, they, they wanted to give us that right away and let us know you're dealing with... Oh, yeah, you, you could tell right off he was Yakuza. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, the stupid the shades. The big glasses, the, yes. Yeah, the, the, he had the jacket over his shoulders. Uh-huh. Chewing his little toothpick thing. Yeah. So Yakuza. You've got two choices in sunglasses. You could either get the Elvis glasses or the Bruce Lee glasses. you you got to pick one. <laughs> So, um, yeah, every, everything, every human uh, occupation in, in this movie is like, there's a disgust with it, you know, eating and mm-hmm. sex and, you know, all the humans are pretty repulsive. Yeah. It's like a general air of 
anger and disgust. Not like in real life, where humans are all awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so well, uh, I, I, I lived for several years in Japan, and, and almost everyone I met was very pleasant and nice. Yeah, most people you meet are nice. Yeah, I, I didn't didn't see any like, entrails coming out of a human at beautiful any point. or otherwise I, I, I did i did go to a, a end of year party where they lifted the lid on this dish and it just looked like a giant brain gray what was <laughs> it, it it was it was intestines of sheep or something oh, okay hmm just looked like a giant wobbly brain can you just pass that around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if it's rude not to partake. Oh, yeah. I, I turned down some things. Yeah. They have to expect that, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, when when you're over there, you're kind of the ambassador for your country, and you have to be polite and kind of let things bend, you know. You know, okay, I wouldn't do that where I come from, but... Um, when but in Rome? then keep, you've got to keep a line, you know, there's some things that just, no, nah, not doing that. Not in that. That thing's still, even when still in moving. Rome. <laughs> or not even when in Rome. So, um, I know some people will probably watch this and say, what the hell am I watching? Or mm-hmm. what the hell did I just watch? Um, <laughs> uh, can you say anything about this, that, that kind of, uh, that kind of helps them understand. I wouldn't recommend this to anyone. <laughs> if you're interested in Japanese horror movies in general, then there's hundreds know, of other titles you can yeah, go to. Yeah, there's first. lots of good ones. But uh, if you're interested in exploring extremes of where they can go, then you might this need one's, to see yeah. it. Uh, but it's not a well-made film. It's not a good-looking film. It's pretty ugly shot on video. Um, I think that's all the things I loved about it yeah. <laughs> was it was like two 14-year-old boys had a camera mm-hmm. and a weekend and a 55-gallon drum of blood. Right. <laughs> yeah. And just filmed whatever crazy shit they could think of. Yeah. It made no sense. It was just... <laughs> I would say that's fair. The, uh, one, of the, one of the notes I don't want to forget um, to mention... Uh, Mr. Bruce Lee Shades returns home to find this uh, Yakuza pelt and a dead girlfriend. Then the bloody zombie attacks him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty off the deep end right there. Like, somebody got skinned. Yes, and, uh, and used to, to trick the doorman. Yeah. It's crazy. And, uh, and then the um, when the bloody cock monster zombie attacks him, you see the penis retract. Mm-hmm. And then and now it's a female monster. Yeah. That sits on his face and apparently kills him. Uh, yeah. Was it the boxer one that we watched? Boxer gentleman? The, the guy kind of turn into a vagina and give birth to himself? What movie was that? I know <laughs> yeah, I've come seen on, some what Japanese the hell was that? movie. Yeah, that sounds like it. That I can't remember anything else about it, but at the end, the guy like became a woman and then became a I don't know, big vagina, and then he gave birth to himself? It was bizarre. It made no sense, but it was also, you know... Hmm. I'll have to find the title. It was something else. Of course, the um, when this film wraps up, the girl goes like straight Scarface with a big pile of uh, 
what I'm assuming is the angel rain yeah. in its powder form. She dumps out like four or five bags full. Yeah. And then uh, she just kind of acts like she's in heat writhing around on the floor. And it's just, uh, yeah, air hose effect. She becomes bloody zombie and then uh, it freeze frames on this crotch view. And there's your movie. Yeah. There you go. There's your entertainment, loser. Academy, take note. Right. Um, do you think any of them were practicing their speeches? <laughs> one, one of the actors is also a director, um, Katsuhiro Sano. Um, he started directing after this. He must have been inspired. Really inspired. I can do better. Yeah, he, I can't possibly do worse. He did, he did this film in 1995. All right, this is the English title: "Bliss of Young Sex." Good afternoon, clitoris. Ah, hello. I think we've all seen "Good Afternoon, Clitoris." <laughs> and he also did "Entrails of a, Entrails of a Ripe Woman," "Scarlet Service." Okay, why entrails? We never saw a woman's entrails in this whole movie. Yeah, there's there's, there's a woman's entrails in the previous movie. But there, there's the popular series. There's nine films in the uh, Angel Guts series. Angel Guts. Yeah, around the same time. That old fifties standard. Angel Guts. Um, th- this was like a, a manga done by Takashi Ishii in 1973, and then Nakatsu saw it and picked it up, and they started making these movies in 1978. And the first one was uh, Angel Guts High School Coed. Um, and they, I think. This is the one the series where there's always a woman named Naomi, I think. Maybe hmm. I'm confused. But anyway, um, yeah, there was nine of those, and they're pretty popular, and they're still running when the time, you know, when these films came out. Um, there's there's a, one called Angel Guts 5 Red Vertigo, which stars the uh, um, psycho Kitsuki, who stars in the, in the uh, entrails of a virgin movie um she was also in a film called sexy up pink nipple sexy up pink nipple hmm just words on dice it's just rolling words on dice <laughs> it sounds that way doesn't it you shake up the hat yeah grab some of these scraps of paper out and read them yes yeah, that's, that's, that's the most entertaining thing about these films is the titles um yeah i was reading up on jallo and their titles are fantastic right. they're so isn't there a yellow title generator you can... Oh, I'm sure there must be, because I was trying to think of ones. They're just, they put, like, house and dark and, I don't know, something else in there. And, and the name of a bird or an animal. Yeah. yeah. Night <laughs> of the Blue Aardvark. <laughs> sure. So, if somebody were to want to jump into uh, watching Japanese horror movies, or let's just say Asian horror movies in general, um, anything from the mysterious East. What, what would you recommend Julian for like just a few titles, two, uh, three, three, definitely four go with ring and the original, some of the sixties classics like Onibaba or Kuroneko or the, uh, the, uh, Yokai trilogy. Okay. And we can maybe, uh, blind put... beast. Yeah. That's not, yeah. That's not starter stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's pretty weird. I mean, uh, yeah, if you've got a taste for weird, and and it also get, you know, it, it relates back to all the literary background of Japanese horror. 
yeah. how about uh, the audition? Like Audition's it? a good one. Yeah, um, Takashi Miike. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of his best ones. So that there's that particular scene in that. That's a real slow burner film. Yeah, a lot of his films, they he just like there's like oh, tons of shocking stuff happening. But uh-huh. sometimes he, he he'll do like the slow burn and audition builds up to this one scene, which oh, that would make you squirm. Super creepy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, I would say for me, it's definitely um, the eye. The original Ring, uh, which you'll find the title to be Ringu. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the audition. Those are the ones I always, if someone asks me, that's what I tell them. If you want Asian horror, you know, that, that's a good place to go. And now you can add entrails of a beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah, if you want to really shock yourself. Yeah. It's like Save the, I, that one for the end. I, I've only watched this movie twice, and, and one of those times is for this week. Only twice? <laughs> I mean, it's just not a good-looking film. It's no, offensive. it's pretty terrible. They should no, have, like, those meth billboards. I, I really <laughs> expected something horrible, and I got it, but somehow I wasn't mm. I wasn't horrified. Yeah, if this had been well-made, it'd be unwatchable. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't watch it. It's a lot like uh, oh, uh, Quentin Tarantino movies. I can handle his violence because it's car- kind of cartoony. Yeah, he's he's so he's kind of standoffish, isn't it? It's, uh-huh. like, it's, it's ironic and it's, yeah, and it's not. I don't know. Yeah, he, he doesn't. I think one of the things I like with like extreme stuff you see from Japan and elsewhere is the the people making it. Uh, there's a passion about it. It's, it's they're involved in it. Yeah, it's there's a you feel there's kind of there's a release of the id, uh-huh. being vomited onto the screen. Yeah, and uh, it was vomit Tar- hitting the mic. Yeah, with Tarantino, <laughs> he's kind of like he's making like an arty comment, and yeah, he's he's standing back. It's not his passions. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so, yeah, it's more it's more raw. Yeah. I would say it was like, uh, well, I don't want to bring Corman again, but it's okay to bring Corman into this. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, you know, somebody along those lines that clearly their movie didn't have a huge budget, and but you can tell, you know, the original Halloween. Mm-hmm. I think they had thirty-five dollars in a pack, of, <laughs> six pack of beer in a weekend. Uh, that sounds about accurate. Yeah, but I mean, you can tell they really wanted to make that movie. Mm-hmm. So I can see that. I think Quentin Tarantino's um, love of it is not the individual scenes, but movies all together. Because people have asked him if he'd do something like a a slashy movie or something like that. I don't think he could make a scary movie, do you? It just wouldn't be too distant. I think so, yeah. He does have that ironic detachment. Of everything, I kind of felt that watching this film, though, that it was. Yeah, uh, a lot of it, you you think, oh, they're they're just having a laugh, you know. As soon as the that's exactly they, they turn off the camera, everyone's uh-huh. just like rolling around. But uh, kind of like trauma, only not as goofy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not laughing on camera, right? Uh, yeah, trauma. When you try to make a bad film, you. <laughs> You've wasted everybody's time. Well, it's it's weird because I don't know if they're trying to make it bad or knowing it's going to be bad and just allowing the badness to flow. Or trying with it deliberately. They're deliberately cutting corners to make it shitty. 
know, <laughs> that's, that's, prob- that's probably fair. It's been a while since I've watched a trauma. Yeah, there, yeah. there's a couple trauma that are pretty good, you know, for a B movie. But yeah, most of them are. They're trying way too hard. And if yeah. you're trying that hard to make a bad film, you're you're miss the point. I, I suppose that's true. Like that, trying to be cool. Yeah, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this just just the whole treatment of the women. I, you know, I just don't like to see it. And, oh, uh, it's terrible. I um, I I've... just goes on and on. When 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 the monster comes to kill the men, they just it's just splat and they're done. Yeah. But the women, it just goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah, maybe there should be a little more, um, you know, toying with the with the subjects to be dealt with as far as murdering the rapists. Mm-hmm. It, maybe they sh- should be batted around a little more. Definitely. You know, they could, rather than just stomping their heads or whatever it is they do. Yeah. Um, or if it's just going to stomp heads, have more people. Julian, will you be surprised if I tell you that the site I ended up having, <clears throat> I wanted to try to rent this because I always try, and not everybody tries, but <laughs> but I usually try to see if I can get some money to the pe- maybe to the people who make things or people who own the things other people made. Um, I had to I had to search before I could find a file that was obviously long enough to be the movie, mm-hmm. and it ended up being on a porn site. Like okay. it had all those margins with all those little gifs of all kinds of glistening, <laughs> pulsating things going on. And I had to go full screen just to not see that crap. Mm-hmm. Of course, when I came out of full screen, I had it opened up a couple more windows for me. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, these, these DVDs came out here from Synapse, uh-huh. uh, who, you know, they specialize in exploitation movies. Um, but they also released one called Evil Dead Trap, which is really good. That's pretty extreme, but it's a good movie. It's kind of someone has obviously seen Argento and Cronenberg and worked them into this movie. Where you, like the first time I saw it, I was just really scared because pretty early on you see that it's going to go places that you weren't expecting and pretty extreme stuff happens and you wonder what's going to happen in the rest of the movie. But uh, yeah, it takes some bizarre twists and turns. That's a good one. As it will. Um, well, we're, we're probably fairly close to wrapping this thing up. I uh, wanted to mention... Uh, go ahead. Don't Breathe. Oh, yeah. Do we want to go see that? Um, that looks like it could be really good. I just saw a couple of previews and... Stephen Bissett gave it a good review. Mm-hmm. Don't and Breathe. He... Well, should we try and see that before next week and uh, have it be our feature? Okay, might be able to. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. let's look into it, and uh, if we can, we will, and if not, we'll get to it maybe the following show, and then we will be careening toward Halloween and our one-year anniversary of doing this show, and we haven't missed a week yet. Um, I say yet, but uh, we'll we'll have some interesting things planned uh, when it gets closer to the one-year mark and when it gets closer to Halloween, and um, Will had a great idea. We could do... Uh, uh, Halloween two versus Halloween two, you know, which, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, I think that was a great idea. And, uh, you know, Rob Zombie's Halloween two. Yeah. We get to mention Rob Zombie and uh, Rob Zombie's John Carpenter's Halloween two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that'll be great. And, yeah. uh, it's maybe, got maybe, Ben Tramer in it. Maybe the new uh, Rob Zombie movie would be out by then. 31. 31. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't seen that. And we'll, and we'll, out. We'll see if there's any news on Phantasm Ravager by then as well. 
but I guess the the 4K restoration of the first Phantasm movie is going to be packaged. And my understanding was it's not getting a theatrical release, that it's going to be part of this mm. box set. Mm. I could be wrong. I will have to look that up. Faulty memories happen all the time. We might uh, do a limited release. That would be really cool, though. Uh, yeah. I'll, there, there, there's I'll a new 2K restoration of The Thing out, and there's going to be a, a remastered Black Christmas coming out in December. Super cool. So we talked about Japanese Extreme. We got that. Uh, yeah, and we wanted to watch The Thing versus The Thing. Versus The Thing. The yeah. Thing. The Three Things. <laughs> the Three Things. Thing One, Thing Two, and Another Thing. Thing Three. Yes. All right. Any other final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh-uh. All right. Well, listeners, if you get a chance, some dick went and gave us some sort of a low review, and I see we got dragged down from five stars to four and a half. So if you're listening to this, you're not enjoying it, just don't listen. We don't get paid to do this. In fact, it costs a little bit of money to, to you know, to get this thing hosted. And um, we're doing this because we care, because we enjoy it, and uh, not uh, not for love or money. Well, I'm free on Wednesdays. That's why I'm doing it. Exactly. <laughs> if this if this had to be a different day of the week, we may not even have Will here. Yeah. But uh, please, if you... I couldn't recommend movies like Entrails <laughs> of a Beautiful Woman. <laughs> Which, by the way, I say watch it if you feel up to it. Um, but if you can go give us a I good... I say family gatherings. <laughs> Just pop this on, you know. Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe Thanksgiving. That's coming up. If everybody's had a fight, I guarantee you they'll all hate you for putting this movie on. <laughs> you want to clear the and room? stop fighting. Yes. You want to make them forget what they were fighting about? Uh-huh. I think Christmas morning when the kids are opening presents, you put on the VHS copy of Entrails of a Beautiful Woman. <laughs> sure. I don't see any reason why you shouldn't. But uh, go give us a rating of five stars or more. Or better. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's only five, but... Um, we'll take six. Rate, review, subscribe, as we like to say. And, uh, oh, um, the Moonrays uh, have a, a song that's on some sort of a rating system chart. Yeah, uh, swing the top, tune. Yeah, the top yeah. swing songs in the U.S. <laughs> They've got this great song that's uh, number three, and we'll... We'll put that in our show notes. Uh, maybe we can put a link to it there and people can click on it. Um, but uh, thank you, Moonrays, for giving us intro creature features at the top of the show. We do appreciate it. And uh, we know that Halloween's their time of year, too. So <laughs> they're probably getting geared up for that. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll figure out what we're doing for next time. And We're we'll, watching something. We're watching something and we're talking about it. <laughs> or we could watch something and sit here silently. Or we could not watch anything and talk about it. I've heard podcasts that do that. Yeah. So. Uh, Buttons. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Stay off the moors. You've been warned.